as well. Hebrews chapter 2. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So Lord Jesus, I pray you would just anoint my words for these next few minutes. Lord, we need a word from heaven today. So would you breathe through these scriptures, through this teaching, Lord, separate soul and spirit even now. I pray for distraction to be lifted off in Jesus' name. I'm asking for open ears. We need to hear from you, God, today. So prepare our hearts even now just to hear whatever word you'd speak to us, Holy Spirit. Last week I shared about prayer and I talked about how in the past we, we discussed anxiety and worry being a sin. And last week we talked about prayerlessness being a sin. And there's obviously so many um, greater sins out there that we see operating in the world today, but sin is sin is sin. And so when I don't do what I know that is right to do, for me, it is sin when the Lord has called me to that. And so I repented to you last week of substituting corporate prayer, which is so good and so necessary for time in my prayer closet and just doing knee work alone with God. And I really want the corporate prayer to be fueled by my time alone privately in prayer and for you as well. And so we talked about what we do. We, we repent of that sin. We confess our sin. We, we change our mind and we just listen to what the Lord has to say and we simply walk out his call for us in obedience to prayer. We talked about how prayer is simply asking God to do for us what he's promised us he will do if we ask him talked about how prayer unlocks the new wine and the new oil and the grain. We, we talked about Elijah last week and how he was a man like us and how he changed the weather pattern over the Middle East and, and how we've been given that example, three little sentences in James 5, so that we could see, yes, we can do the same thing. Give yourself to this. And he had to go bake in the wilderness before he stepped up and did that mighty work. This week, I want to jump off from that and go into part two of prayer and talk just for a moment about how the Lord is dealing with us, how he dealt with his son, how he's bringing us to glory and revealing things that we didn't even know existed that needed to be revealed. He's healing things in me that I didn't even know needed to be healed. Has anybody ever experienced this? You didn't even know the problem was there and all of a sudden, there it is. There's the fear, there's the anxiety, there's the trouble, and the Lord's healing us in ways that we didn't even know we needed healed. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that's you and me, it's what he's doing, he's bringing us along to glory, he's changing us from glory to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything existed, he made Jesus Christ, our big brother, the model for us. He made him complete through what he suffered. 
He completed Jesus. I'm not sure exactly how to even think about all that. The perfect God-man who learned obedience through what he suffered and who was made complete through what he suffered and how he's making that a template for you and me. He's bringing us along into glory through this thing that we all love and embrace all day, suffering all over the New Testament. It's amazing how little it's taught on, but how much it plays in our lives. So, He's bringing us through, he's bringing us through fire, and he's revealing what we're made of from within. He's, he's pulling what's down deep inside of us, hidden. It's, it takes revelation because we don't see it. He's pulling it from deep down inside of us through fire, and he's bringing it to the surface. And he's saying, this is what we must deal with in your heart today. Why am I saying this? Because what's deep down in my heart that I don't see that's causing me all kinds of troubles and you all kinds of troubles is unbelief. Unbelief was the reason that the children of Israel could not cross over into the promised land. Yes, they were kept out because of their unbelief and they had to go back into the wilderness. And my righteous one will live by faith, which means I have to believe that he's doing what he's doing even if my eyes don't see. Unbelief keeps us from our inheritance, yes? Unbelief keeps you and me from the full and complete life the Lord has destined us to have in Christ Jesus. And so he says, we gotta deal with unbelief. We have to deal with doubt. And so I'm gonna help you, little trembling sheep. I'm gonna help you by delivering you from your unbelief that you don't even know you're dealing with now. How is he doing that? Well, through the bad news, the suffering, the doctor's call that you might be dealing with this or this or this and we got to run tests, or the child's sickness that might turn into this or this or this, or the employee who gets hurt at work and it might result in this or this or this down the road, the bad financial news where I might lose everything in this, it all comes to the surface, doesn't it? When the bad news hits, the unbelief comes to the surface. Unbelief in what? That he's good, that he'll take care of me. He always has and he always will. No, 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 no. I turn and I grumble and I complain and I, what if I'm gonna get eaten up and swallowed alive by this? And the Lord says, see, this is what we're dealing with right here. This right here. This, this, this. So the Lord is completing us. He's bringing us to glory and he's doing it through suffering. And I wanna talk a minute about how prayer ties into that. So the title, if there could be a title for this, is Leaning into Trouble and Anxiety When It Comes. By prayer, leaning into trouble, leaning into anxiety, leaning into the cross by prayer when it comes and not running away from it. Let's go ahead and jump to James chapter 1, if you would, a uh, little out of order there, Dina. James chapter 1, very common to all of you. There's four directives for us here in the first few verses. Number one, consider, in verse two, consider, that's your job and my job. Number two, let, verse four, let perseverance or endurance have its complete work. Number three, in verse five, ask, ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And number four, in verse six, you have to believe and you can't doubt. And then it's all summed up, all those four directives for us are summed up in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial to stay put under the weight of trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. The Lord has promised those who love him. Let's unpack that just for a minute. Number one, 
Y'all, when you come against trials of many kinds, your job is to consider it or to reckon it in your mind as pure joy. The opposite of this is to consider that trial misery or calamity or why does this always happen to me? Or is it Murphy's Law? Is that anything bad that will happen, can't happen? Is that it? Murphy, it's always just my luck. This is just my luck. Of course this would happen. No, no, no. To change our mind and say, no, this is pure joy. And I'll talk about why here in just a minute. This is a delight for me. Number two, let, verse four. Your job and my job is to allow, to give opportunity for, to make room for the cross to do its work. What's the work? Steadfastness, perseverance, endurance, patience. It needs to finish something in me. What's the opposite of let? Close the door, get as far away from suffering as I can and retreat into freedom in some other way. Through the substance or through the vacation or through purchasing the thing online or looking at the image to take away my stress, whatever it is, I don't have to let the suffering do the work. But he says, let it. Because you'll keep coming back again and again and again to this place if you don't let it finish its work in you. Let it purge you. Don't resist it. Don't deny it, this work of perseverance, the opportunity to finish something in you. Number four, you gotta ask, super simple. Why don't we receive everybody? It's because we don't. Let's be found asking. We need wisdom, I'm asking. Number, Number four here, believe. I have to not doubt. I have to believe what? The goodness of the Lord, that he's for me, that he's not against me. And this is all summed up in, blessed is the one who stays under the weight, who perseveres through this trial. Because in the end, yes, you get the crown of life in the new heaven and the new earth someday, but I'm telling you, he crowns you with life here and now. You walk in authority that you would not have beforehand walked in if you stay through the trial, guys, right? If you stay in the trial, in the difficult marriage, if you go through the fires of the difficulties and the arguments and you get to the other side, yes, married people, if you make it through, you're stronger for it. And you've got authority spiritually that you did not have before. There's redemption for all of this. For all of us who has given up, for given up halfway through, there's redemption, by the way. This is not condemnation. But I'm saying there's blessing in staying in the classroom until you graduate to the next class. Yay, suffering. It's the template. I kind of wish it wasn't, but it is. We've got these hard seeds that have to be broken open so the good stuff comes out. So the Lord is bringing many sons to glory. Take a left with me to Psalms 112. This is the crux of what I want to say to you today. Psalms 112. The Lord is bringing many sons and daughters to glory, and he's using suffering to do it. Here's some practical help for my heart this last week. Came out of a conversation with my good friend Carl Davis at work. We were talking about this very thing. Psalms 112, verse 6. Surely the righteous will never be shaken, or the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. The righteous people, or the righteous man, will have no fear of bad news. Jeremiah 17 says, the righteous man will have no fear when the heat comes. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast. 
trusting in the Lord. Second description of their hearts. Their hearts are secure or steady or upheld. They will have no fear. In the end, that trial that's coming against them, if they stay put underneath that trial, persevere, in the end, they will look in satisfied triumph on their foes. Who is our foe, everybody? Flesh and blood? No way. We got foes coming after us every day. Spiritual forces of power in the heavenly places. Fear, anxiety, temptations to run away coming at us all day, every day. Typically, I have been moved by those things. The bad news comes and I shake and I run away and I collapse in the fetal position. I eventually get back up and then the Lord says, let's try it again and bad news comes and maybe I don't shake and collapse like I did before. Soon I learn in Ephesians 6 to stand against the powers of the enemy to take my stand and actually bring the offensive instead of curling up in the defensive here. So look with me for a moment. Heart response number one. Heart response number one is in the natural, in the fallen man. It's fear. When the bad news comes, our natural response in the Adam nature is to go to anxiety. And then immediately to go into what ifs, yes? Which is unbelief in his goodness. Like, go with me with, for a second to the children of Israel. There's giants in the land. What if... They, they, they're going to devour us like we're grasshoppers. There's no hope of going up against them. I have done the math and I figured with my little pea brain that what you said is not accurate compared to what I'm seeing. And so we go to fear and it's ultimately unbelief in what God says. Our natural response in the Adam nature is to be shaken. We have a shaky heart. We're trembling with fear. We're moved from worse to worse, to worse. I bet this is gonna happen, which is gonna open the door for this bad scenario. And then the worst case is I'm gonna lose everything. Anybody been on that train with me? Yeah, just moving on down the line. It's a terrible place to be, but I'm telling you, that's the response of the Adam nature. But what if we do this? What if when the bad news comes, we lean into the bad news and say, I acknowledge this is happening right now, but Lord, my heart feels tempted to fear. And so I'm just gonna cast my burdens on you because I know that you're for me, you're not against me. I I know that this issue right now is not going away. I'm not praying that you deliver me from this issue, but I pray that you lift me up from this issue and remind me where I'm at. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. This issue is under my feet in Christ Jesus. It is not over my head, amen? I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to myself, and I'm not schizophrenic. I'm doing what David said, why, O soul, are you downcast within me? Hope in the Lord, for he is good. I'm talking to myself, I'm proclaiming the truth of God's word, and it's changing my little mind. I'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind. I don't care how big the army is in front of me, I have confidence that he's going to take care of me. Changes my situation, my response now it becomes heart response number two, supernatural. I move from a natural response to now I'm walking in a supernatural response, which is faith instead of fear. This is as practical as it gets, guys. This, is as pra- this hits you tomorrow morning. This hits you this afternoon. 
I'm telling you guys, this is where the rubber meets the road in prayer. I, as a righteous man in Christ Jesus, will not be shaken because this must work out for my good. Amen? That's the truth. This has to work out for my good because God said it would. Because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. That's different. For me, guys, that's different talking. That's different thinking. This has to work out for my good. I don't care how bad the news was. This is going to be good for me. Because God is good for me and he's never failed me yet. My heart is confident. My heart is steadfast. I'm not shaking. Look, uh, the righteous man is trusting. Look, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are steadfast. Why? Because they put all their trust in the Lord, not in the false shifting sands of their circumstances. I'm confidently relying on and believing in the Lord is what Amplified says. My heart is secure, steady, upheld. Because of that, fear can't touch me. When my heart is up in the strong tower, then fear jumping around on the plane saying, come down here and fight with me has no hold over me anymore. I'm not moved by fear. I'm secure. I'm steadfast with the Lord. This takes a little practice, guys, but we can all do it. And then in the end, I look in satisfied triumph on my foes. Because this situation will lift, yes. It will change, yeah. Sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. In the morning, I want to be looking back in satisfied triumph on my foes and say, you have no place in me, fear. You have no place in me anymore. What bad news does, praise the Lord, is it exposes my heart's shakiness. My heart's lack of trust in his goodness. That's what it does. Bad news exposes my heart's lack of trust in God's goodness. Because if the bad news is going to come true, then God's really not that good to me. But what if God's good to me even in the midst of the bad news coming true? What if God's good to me all the time? And even if it doesn't look like it, this is going to be good. Because God's good. What if that... Bad news exposes another thing. My false crumbling walls of security and safety and protection from death and disaster. As long as I'm insured enough, as long as I've done my colonoscopy and checkup, as long as I'm drinking what I should and eating what I should, safe, security. As long as my kids are in the right school, as long as we're in the right neighborhood, as long as the politics are where they should be, okay, wall, 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 safe. Bad news. Oh, that wall crumbled. Let's build up the wall. No, there's no wall. There's no wall. My Aunt Jan in Haiti at risk of death and, and rape and worse is just as safe as I am in suburban America. Yes? Why? Because God's her protector. She doesn't need an army. She's got one already. Angel armies. There is no wall that we can build. The wall is God, the shield around us. Nothing touches us apart from him. You got to believe that. The Lord is your protector. He's your high tower. So lay down your false attempts at building a wall. Simply run to the one where you're safe and secure. The only secure place for my little heart and your little heart is trusting in and relying on and believing in the Lord. It's the only secure place. And then death can't touch me. Isn't that great news? 
The bad news at work can't touch me. The finances can't touch me. Even my own stupid mistakes that I made years ago, I'm still, that can't touch me. What can separate me from his love? Anything? No, no, no. The Lord is for me. He's for me. Everybody say it with me. The Lord is for me, not against me. One more time. The Lord is for me, not against me. Man, if you could just say that every day to yourself three times a day, it'd change the way you think. Who's going to touch you? Okay. Finish up with this. Psalms 34. Take a left there. This is what we do. This is how prayer ties into this. Bad news comes so that we might learn to pray in our time of need and draw upon the grace that's available to us right meow. We've got, sorry, that was a weird moment. We've got grace available to us now. We don't have grace tomorrow, and I don't have grace yesterday, but where the needle meets the record, I've talked about this before, that's where the sound is released. It's in this very moment. In all of time and eternity, the only time God's grace is poured out is right now. And so I've got to learn to draw on that grace in prayer in my moment of need. So when the bad news comes, what do I do? Well, Psalms 34 says, at all times, I will extol the Lord. His praise will always be on my lips, no matter what. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from most, some, all of my fears, even the ones I didn't know existed. I sought the Lord and he answered me because that's, I asked. He delivered me from all of my fears. What he did is he taught me to look upon him. I'm not looking on the winds and the waves anymore. I'm looking on his beautiful face. And those who look to him are radiant. They're changed from glory to glory. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man in spirit, you got to be poor in spirit to come to the Lord in the hard times. You can't stand up on your own two feet and say, I'll handle this. You got to be poor in spirit and say, I can't handle this, Lord. Come, deliver me. This poor man called out. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him from, oh, you got to believe it, all his troubles because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. It's a blessed life to live as a son. It's a blessed life to live in the glorious freedom of a son of God. The opposite of living in glorious freedom is to live in trepidation and fear. And when's the hammer going to drop? And who might die first? Or what's this sickness going to do to me? There's no freedom in that. But a son lives in glorious freedom. Look with me in Romans 8.21. Creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom or the freedom and glory of the sons of God. That's what we're being brought to, Hebrews chapter 2. He's bringing many sons into glory. And he's bringing glorious freedom even to creation someday. And we're in it first. 
We're in it first, even though our bodies are subject to decay. In Jesus, I've got glorious freedom as a son. I'm preaching way out of my depth here, guys. I'm preaching to myself, trust me. I'm not here. I want to go there. I want to live as a son. Amen? Free from fear. The disciples lived as slaves. They were afraid of death. Remember the servant girl at the gate? Freaked Peter out. He got set free, and he lived like his son to where he's due to be beheaded the next day by the king, and he's resting silently in his cell when the angel kicks him in his side. He's sleeping so deeply, the angel has to kick him in his side to wake him up. All right, come out of jail. Come on, come on, come on. It's time to do more preaching. He wasn't afraid of death. He was in his glorious freedom of the sons of God. That's what I want. I want to have confidence in his perfect love that casts out fear. So I want to believe that he loves me and he's for me all the time. And I want to receive, and I'll finish with this, the deal that the Lord has made with us. Can The Lord can make any deals you want. He wants. This is the stipulation. If you want to receive from me, the Lord says, you have to do what? Believe. If you do not believe, you will not receive. Now, will you receive his general grace and his mercy? And pr- Absolutely. I'm talking about answers to prayer here, though. Jesus says, if you believe in your heart, you will receive. Over and over and over again, our receiving is tied to our believing. And thus, it's such a big deal for the Lord to expose unbelief in our hearts. Why? Because he wants us to be better Christians and be better example for him? No, 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 no. The Lord wants to give us more. His heart is to pour out in abundance on us, and that's limited by our unbelief. So praise the Lord for the bad news. If you're honest with yourself, and I trust you are, you'll look back on the last 5, 10, 20, 30 years of your life, and you'll say, you know the times I grew the most were during the suffering. The times the Lord really changed me the most was during the fire. Why is that? Because you, taught, you were taught to believe in him more so you could receive more back. There's nothing to fear. I read yesterday, the past is forgiven. The present is supplied with power and grace. And the future is bright with hope. Past is forgiven. The present right now is filled with power and grace. And the future is bright with hope. What do we have to fear? Why not just be happy? Do not let Satan steal the song of joy that's in your heart today. The song of a son and the song of a daughter of faith. Amen? Amen. Okay. Lord, deliver us from fear in Jesus' name. Teach us to pray during our time of need. Make us poor in spirit, God. Do a work in each one of our hearts. I pray each one of us, Lord, would grow in this grace of prayer. We'd give ourselves to prayer, Lord in a new way this next season. In Jesus' name, amen.